Check Me Out is made possible in part by the Friends of the Amarillo Public Library, Brick and Elm Magazine, and a grant from Humanities Texas, the state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. I would imagine that some algorithm generated that list because they talk about Wuthering Heights yes, in the Twilight that's books. That's exactly what it says. It says <gasps> that's this, true. This series is that. Bella's favorite book, and Edward finds it repulsive oh. because he's basically Heathcliff, is what this says. Heathcliff is sparkling. Right. Yeah. He's, he's a, a sparkling, sparkling Heathcliff. <laughs> you will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Hillary Holsey, and I'm joined today with my co-host, Amy Hart. Hello. And today we're talking about underrated books. This will be fun. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. It's kind of a, doesn't have rhyme or reason like some of them do, like we're not focusing on a specific genre or, you know, something like that. But uh, to continue with the theme that we've had all season long, we have two lovely librarian, library representatives with us. I'll let them introduce themselves. I'll start with the lady in front of me. I'm Stacy Clopton, and I'm the coordinator of PR and programming at the Amarillo Public Library. And I'm Amanda Barrera. I'm the director of libraries for the city of Amarillo. Amazing. We're so glad to have both of you here to talk about underrated books, books that deserve some love. Um, so to start it off, you know, Amy and I were talking about what kind of questions are we going to ask? Because Underrated books could be millions of books. There's so there's different kinds of access these days. So when I say underrated book, what is the first thing that comes to mind? And I'll start with you, Amanda. I would say it's something that you really wish other people were reading that you really enjoyed reading, but hasn't made a bestseller list, perhaps, or just hasn't entered the social zeitgeist for whatever reason, but you deserve, you think deserves more love. Okay. What about you, Stacy? I would agree with that. I think it's the kind of book that you find yourself telling people about, that you finish the book and you immediately want to call your friends and say, I want you to read this book. And, you know, there's great books that become famous for a reason because everybody loves them. But there's other great books that, for whatever reason, as far as the the social media or the just what people are talking about, they don't reach that level of buzz. And those are the books that um, I always want to help people find. Do we credit that to, like... I mean, because there hasn't always been social media. There's, you know, popular books since the beginning of time, uh, at least until of print. Um, Were there tastemakers? Like, what, like, do you think that that trend has continued, that today we still have tastemakers, or is accessibility, like, is it more likely to catch on? Because some social media Instagram influencer was like, hey, I'm reading The Alchemist. You should read. Like, well, I think that is what happened to The Alchemist, <laughs> isn't it? Like Julia Roberts read it or something like that. What do you think happens? What what makes something popular? Well, I don't know what necessarily makes something popular other than people have limited time. You know, there's that saying, so many books, so little time. And so you're just going off of what other people are talking about, what you see on social media or mentioned in traditional media, and that's what you're attracted to. It just makes it easy for you. And, you know, the publishing companies make choices about which books get the biggest launches, which books get advertising, which, uh, which authors they pay 
for expenses to to make um, appearances, and I think that makes a difference. Yeah. And they're you know they're making choices that affect what ends up in your attention. Right. Well, I work in the radio world. It's very similar because we are getting what the labels are sending to us. But then every once in a while in my email, you know, I'll get this random band that has less than a thousand likes on Spotify and they end up having a really great song. So I think, you know, we as people at a, at a radio station, we're kind of sifting through the things to find what we like as tastemakers. But you as librarians are doing the same. You're kind of sifting through things to say like, oh, this one's actually really good and it's not getting quite the buzz that, you know, the big blockbuster type, I say blockbusters like it's film, you know, like but, but, same, yeah, but yeah. yeah, the best sellers are. And so I don't know, there's, there's that, that level of us kind of sifting through and, you know, you have those great recommendations that you can give to people because I will admit I am a bestseller reader because I'm exactly what you said, Amanda, I don't have time. I don't have time to sift through and I really do not want to have a, a, a do not finish on my list. It is not, I, I'm a bitter ender to a fault. Um, and I don't want to have, you know, I don't want to abandon a book. Mm -hmm. yeah. I want to sit down and get it right the first time, you know? You know, one of the great things um, that librarians do is make book recommendations. So people who want to see something outside a bestseller list can visit their library, they can talk to their librarians, they can say, I loved this book. Do you think I might like something else? And I can tell you all the staff at Amarillo Public Library love to be asked that question, uh, love to make recommendations. And we also have a great Staff Picks newsletter where you can get some recommendations for things that might be, you know, not, not the from the bestseller list. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That's really great. I mean, you know, one of my favorite things too is a DJ come to me and you say, well, I really like the new Black Keys song. What else you got like that? You know, so I get it. It's 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 the fun part of the job probably for you guys too. Gets your gears working. Yeah. So then let's let's hop into that. If I say, what is the most underrated book that you've ever read and you just can't believe that people haven't read this book, what is the book that comes to mind? We'll start with you, Stacey. I only get one? No. Um, I, <laughs> well, you, I will not you make you listen to my entire rant, but there is um, there is an author, Anne Ursu, and her books sell fine. You know, she does okay. People know who she is, but her books are amazing. Um, Breadcrumbs is one of my favorites. Um, she's got another one called The Real Boy and another one called The Lost Girl, and her language is beautiful. The way she tells a story is Beautiful. I, I need another adjective, but transcendent. And thank you. Transcendent. <laughs> yes. And and the stories are imaginative and creative and they have a sense of modern day fairy tale to them. In Breadcrumbs, it's so much fun to read because she's always throwing these shout outs to other great literature. That so if you're if you're reading along and you read something, ah, oh, that's a wrinkle in time. <gasps> you know, that's Hans Christian Andersen. And so those are fun to read. They make you feel like you're connecting. And I just don't really understand why they're not quite as huge as, I don't know, The Descendants. Why are The Descendants huge and Anne Ursu is not? I don't get that, ever. What about you? I would say, and this is really niche, but a book that I read several years ago that I just 
I have to go back and reread every so often, and I recommend to people is it's called The Gallery of Regrettable Food by James Lilacs. <laughs> and, you know, everybody likes to eat. We yeah. all have that in common. And what he did was he went and he found um, a, a stash of his mother's post-World War II culinary cookbooks, you know, culinary guides, hostess guides, and it's pretty much the whole whatever can't run away from you ends up in a lime jello mold type, (laughs) you know, cookbook, cooking guide. And he just makes fun of these very earnest culinary (laughs) guides, home ec books that um, she had gathered together. And it's just hilarious. I mean, if you can subdue your gag reflex for about 200 pages, I promise you will have the best time reading this book. Not so. a fan of aspic. Don't read it, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. So how did you come upon that book? Um, that was actually something that was reviewed in one of the professional journals that we use to um, collect books for the library, and it just caught my eye, and I got tickled by it, and <laughs> I go back and reread it every so often when I need a laugh. It sounds absurd. I love it. <laughs> yeah. How did you find uh, this author that you were talking about, Stacey? I didn't ask you that. Oh, um, actually, my brother and his wife found it somewhere, and and my brother said, we have to get this book for Stacy. She will love this book. And so they sent it to me, and since then I go and buy the book as soon as as soon as Anna or Sue comes out with a new wow. title because again they're they're lovely they're they're heartwarming and I just if you find someone that uses language in a way that really speaks to you and makes you marvel and you you go back and say oh I want to read that sentence again that was such a good sentence <laughs> then then that's that's what Anna or Sue is so with this author like I don't want to limit um, Anne Ursu. How do you spell her last name? U-R-S-U. R-Ursu. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is it c- comparable to other authors at all? Is it she have her own voice? Like, I think that, I, I definitely think that she has her own voice. Okay. I think yeah. that she is a storyteller that um, is very unique. Some of her books, like like Breadcrumbs is inspired by The Snow Queen by Hans, Hans Christian Andersen. But it's very unique. And um, The Real Boy is like a fairy tale, as if the protagonist of the fairy tale is on the autism spectrum. Um, the, the Lost Girl is um, a story about two twin girls and how they rely on each other. And you kind of spend the whole book wondering which one of them is lost. I'm not sure which oh, one of them is lost. That sounds cool. Um, that is cool. So, so she's got a, a very unique perspective, I think. Um, but I would say if you loved the Chronicles of Narnia, you would love Anne Ursu. If you loved Harry Potter, you would probably love Anne Ursu. If you love fairy tales, you would love Anne Ursu. So what about for your book? Like, what kind of, if you liked this, like, mm-hmm. could you... I think if you like humor in any way, shape, or form, or, you know, culinary history, just look for those kind of books. I don't know of anything offhand, a a similar author. Going back to Stacy's recommendation, I would recommend Naomi Novik and Edith Patu as two authors that are very similar in style to to Anne or Sue's. What are some of, what are the books that they wrote? Um, Well, Naomi Novik did a couple of 
um, fairy tale reinterpretations as well. And I don't remember off the top of my head um, what they're spinning called. Spinning silver? Yes. Silver spinning? Something like that. They've been on my to-be-read to list, but mm-hmm. I haven't read them yet. And then Edith Patu also did a riff off of the Snow Queen story called East. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any questions? I, I want to know what your underrated book is. See, I told you earlier, I was like, I can't even... I can't even think of it. We decided we want a chip in our brain that we can just call up at any <laughs> mm-hmm. moment that will have a list of all the books we've ever read, and then we will have a list there for us. But Probably, and I think I meant, I don't even know if I was on this podcast. We had a podcast about rock bios. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you were the host, and I was one of the guests. Oh, of that so one. I don't know if I talked about it, but <laughs> I'm going to talk about it again, because yeah. I love that book, and I'm just going to say it. Um, there's a book by Jeff Emmerich, who mm-hmm. was a sound engineer for the Beatles. It's called Here, There, and Everywhere. I still want to read that. It is truly, hands down, if you're a Beatles fan, one of the best books you could ever read. Like, it just goes into such depths of how they crafted their sound and how much, like, the Beatles themselves were a part of it, but you don't really hear about these, like, unsung heroes who, like, took a speaker and inverted it and, like, made it (laughs) different so that they could... I don't know, make John Lennon sound like he's singing from a mountaintop because that's what he wanted. It was such a different perspective than any other book because I've read a lot of Beatles books. Yeah. Yeah. That's Um, cool. I think that would be the one that I I tend to recommend to anyone because the Beatles are universally loved. And if they're not, I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. There you go. What about you? Um, There's an author that I really liked and it was kind of the – Mid 2000s, I was getting married, and so I was in a really stressful time of my life, and I wanted something really fun and lighthearted. And I think she's had some bestsellers, but she's got a ton of books. And I was looking at her Amazon reviews, and she has like less than a thousand reviews on Amazon. So I think she was kind of big right in that moment, maybe, and then just kind of went away. Uh, but her name is Lori Nataro, and she writes these kind of comedic like everyday woman kind of things. But um, her first book is called, and it's a, it's a series of essays, but her first one is called The Idiot Girls Action Adventure Club. And then she has the autobiography of a fat bride, which was hysterical. And it's like, if you're getting married, it's like everything you need to hear in that moment. Um, There's also I Love Everybody and Other Atrocious Lies, which I loved. And then she's got a couple of novels. One's called Spooky Little Girl. It's kind of a little ghost story that's really cute. And then there's a slight chance I might be going to hell. So I love I love her perspective. She's just writing about everyday things, but it's totally relatable. And it feels like, you know, I'm not alone in this world, but it's comedic. And sometimes I just need those lighthearted things. Brick and Elm Magazine is Amarillo's lifestyle magazine. Launched by Michelle McCaffrey and me, Jason Boyette, this independent publication celebrates the people, businesses, and heritage of this area. Along with our flagship print magazine, Brick and Elm also publishes the Brickly email newsletter every week, plus Flavorillo, a bi-weekly food and drink newsletter, plus digital content at brickandelm.com. Brick and Elm highlights the lifestyle and culture of the Texas Panhandle. Brick and Elm is available online or at newsstands near you. I wonder how much of the underrated or show this book some love books can be 
well, maybe I should ask you guys that. How much of it is a moment? Like, you needed this book in that moment? Or is it just you believe it's universally, like, yes? I think where you are in life really can inform how much you respond to a book, just because, like you said, that's what you needed in that moment. But if it truly is a book that... um is really well written or has a topic that would speak to others, then it's worth recommending just to see if it will resonate with somebody else. Yeah. And the truth is that word of mouth really can make a huge difference. Um, one of my favorite books is The Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. And that is a book that his publishers didn't want him to write. and But he said, no, I'm going to write this novel about building a cathedral. I really want to do it. And I think he was a bestseller for them. And they sort of said, okay, fine, write the cathedral novel. And let's, you know, we'll let him do it and get it over with. And he'll go back to writing all these thrillers <laughs> that are making us so much money. Mm-hmm. And it came out and the reviews were good. The sales were tepid. It was just, you know, whatever. But people who did read it loved it, and they handed it to their friends, and they said, here, read this book. I want you to read this book. And so the sales, you know, a lot of books, they hit the market, and they become huge, and then they die off. The Pillars of the Earth was the exact opposite. The sales were just sort of eh, and then they grew and grew and grew and grew until they became the most popular, most successful thing he had ever done. And it was all because of people sharing, you know, taking that thing that they loved and sharing it with people. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what happened with The Alchemist. I brought that up earlier. I don't know how many years it had been published and he kept waiting and waiting. Mm -hmm. And like, I think he sold 100 books in the beginning. And then they were like, yeah, I don't know if this is really going to do that great. And then it just word of mouth eventually grew into. And I do think it had to do with like, the social cultural moment when yeah. it finally escalated. And it's, this is Kate Bush running up that hill right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right? I, yeah. Yes. It's I'm like, a, she's been sitting around like, hey, this is a great song. Why isn't anybody listening to it? Yes. <laughs> All of us cool kids were, though. That's that's a fact. But yeah, that's really cool when that happens. Really dumb question. Was that on Stranger Things? And that's why yes. it's okay. Yeah. Yes. I don't watch Stranger <laughs> Things. And it's too like, bad. why am I hearing this song it's everywhere? Too bad. Now? It's really great. Yes. <laughs> Do you have another question? No, I, I'm loving the recommendations. I think this is this is one of my, I mean, this is why we decided to do this podcast is to get great recommendations. And I think, you know, we did an episode in the first season called Show This Book Some Love. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was more based on the Great American Read List yep. and what we thought should have been on the Great American Read List. So I feel like we're taking that, but kind of taking it a little bit deeper to well, that next level. I'm pretty sure Stacy was on that episode. I'm pretty sure. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that's when she passionately talked about Tenet of Wildfield Hall. I did. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I mean, honestly, I don't remember that, but it is entirely possible that I did because I will, in general, bring out my team Anne shirts at any given <laughs> opportunity and say that Anne Bronte is the coolest Bronte. <laughs> she is way cooler than Charlotte or Emily And the fact that history treats her like Jan Brady, um, thank you to Amanda for that reference, um, is just a travesty. Are you of the same mindset? I I think she's underrated for sure. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's like the popular sisters. You just shunt it off to the side, even though you're just as pretty and talented. (laughs) Well, and she, you know, her books... uh, 
her books are wonderful. You know, Agnes Gray is smaller and more compact and less controversial than The Tenant of Wildfell Hall, but it's still a beautiful piece of writing and much more realistic portrait of what it would be like to be a governess in that time period than Jane Eyre. I, I'm sorry, I can't say Jane Eyre without doing that little Jane Eyre. Um, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. There was a little bit of eye roll in there. I was about to say, you should have seen her face as well. Um. But her books are wonderful. And, and truly, The Tenant of Wildfell Hall was groundbreaking. It still is. It was one of the really early feminist novels. And people just forget that she existed and and she was better at dialogue than either of her sisters. I I I believe that, <laughs> but I have actually her um had read scholars who agree. And one of the interesting things I've learned about her is that if you go to the Bronte Museum in England, that um the people who volunteer there that spend their days just among the Brontes, she is their favorite. All of Aww. them. She is their favorite. And there's a great biography of her called Take Courage by Samantha Ellis. I'm pretty sure that's right, that it's Samantha Ellis. But it's a fantastic biography. It is the biography she deserved. And it interweaves her life story with, you know, the characters that she created. And it's just fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. Well, Stacy, I have to ask, did they volunteer the information that Anne was their favorite? Or was it after <laughs> you very... <laughs> I wish I have been to... I wish that I had been to the museum. Oh, your little pennant flag waving. Exactly. <laughs> that is something that I read in... You were in, in England, so I, I was. thought maybe you dropped by. No, um, no, I read that in the Samantha Ellis book, Take Courage, that, you know, in, when, in researching the book, that's one of the things she did. And she went there and she read their letters and she interviewed the people who worked there. And she said, you know, most of them said Anne is their favorite. Well, Jan Brady is definitely my favorite. So <laughs> there see, there's hope for all this. This is what we call <laughs> qualitative, quantitative research. Uh, <laughs> it must be true. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think I'm an Anne convert because of Stacy. I, I just can't. I, I read uh, Tenet of Wildfell Hall after you, the very first... I guess that was show this book some love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she's right. Like, <laughs> it makes sense. Have you ever had a book that, like, you had a lot of converts that people listened to you? And you were like, go read this. I don't know if it's the book you already stated or another book. Because it is the best feeling in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read Dread Nation after <laughs> I recommended it to you? Yes. That's one that I've had a few people come back and tell me. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Dread Nation by, um, I, what's her Justina? first name? Justina. Justina Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. Tell us about it. Um, well, it's sort of an alternate history set in the post-Civil War uh, period where um, after the Battle of Gettysburg, the dead rose. And so the North and South quickly put aside their differences wow. and created this school for young women to fight them. And, um, of course, they chose minority um, young women to handle this very dangerous and difficult job. But um, I'm usually pretty squeamish about zombie literature. Uh, But (laughs) even though the gore is in there, it's not gratuitous. It's not, you know, excessive. And it's just a really interesting character study. Because you think at first you're starting out with this protagonist who's going to be the -the run-of-the-mill kick-butt 
YA heroine, but she ends up being so much more. And there's also a lot of social commentary to it. It's got heft. And that sounds so cool. That does sound cool. I also think that's the quote. I'm usually pretty squeamish about zombie <laughs> literature. <laughs> I would say, I, I want that on a shirt. Do not seek out zombie literature. <laughs> I, I do not. I do not approve of zombie literature, but I loved that book. And wow. there's a sequel to it called Deathless Divide that is also amazing. Mm-hmm. And and it was and one of the things I liked about the sequel is that she kind of changed the format a little bit. So even though it was the same characters and um, you were dealing with the same situation with you know zombies running around the South, but it's it's entirely original. Mm-hmm. What about you? What's the one that you've recommended to a lot of people? I have recommended to many, many t- people Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore by okay. Robinson. That already sounds so cute. Yes. Um, it's, it's fantastic. It's one of those sort of books about books in a way. Um, you've got this guy who it, finds himself without a job after the financial crisis and somehow finds himself working in this wild and wacky 24-hour bookstore that might just possibly be the headquarters of a spy ring that is involved with the creation of fonts. Um, It's a fantastic book, and I recommend it at at every chance I get. Um, And then one other one that uh, I recommend whenever I get the chance is The Shadow of the Wind by Hmm. Carlos Ruiz Zafon. Um, that's a book that was originally written in Spanish um, oh. and was translated, and it's it's just a wonderful book. I love it so much. What is it about? Well, you know what? Come to think of it, it's another book about books. Um, <laughs> Do you think a trend? Here. <laughs> Do you think Stacy loves books? Yes. <laughs> um, Forget Team Anne. <laughs> team books. Um, yeah. So so it's uh, it's kind of a thriller. There's um, a person who reads this book and lo- finds this book, reads this book, loves the book, goes to try to find other books by the same author and discovers that someone is trying to systematically destroy every copy of every book ever written by that author. And it goes on from there. Um, and it's, That sounds cool. It's set cool. in the um, early 20th century nice. in, in Spain, and it's, it's fantastic. Shadow of the Wind? The Shadow of the Wind, mm. yes. Okay. Do you have any other questions? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, what is your book that you always recommend? Oh, gosh. I feel like, you know, different people are going to need different things. But um, right now, I'm recommending Local Woman Missing to a lot of people. I love it. It's, you know, psychological thriller type book. But it's we talked about it on the uh, psychological thriller episode for this season. But it basically it's kind of starts out as a story. The next chapter, you're like, wait, am I reading the same book? Like what's happening? It puts you right into another different story. So every chapter you're going back and forth between different eras, different stories, and then it all gets tied together at the end. And you're like, how is this going to tie together? I don't know, Uh, but it all comes together. And it's such a fast read. It is one of the fastest reads I've read in a long time. Um, And then I wrote down The Lake Effect by Erin McCann. Um, my friend Andy let me borrow it and she said, this is a really sweet book. It's just, I don't know, lighthearted. It was a great pandemic read. It kind of took you out of what was really going on, but it was a fast read and it was just, 
it's kind of a YA coming of age, but it's a, a kid that goes to, to work at the lake for the summer. And so it's all the sweet people he meets and he works for an elderly woman and it's about their relationship together. And it's just really sweet. And so I think it's one of those I can kind of recommend to anybody. No, Hillary, what about you? I'm yeah. sorry. I'm looking at my Goodreads to make sure. <laughs> I knew this That's was coming. Cheating. <laughs> it is cheating. So in fourth grade, I read a book called The Phantom Tollbooth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone in here has read it, yes. I have I feel not. like not a lot of people know that book. At I, least yeah, I haven't read that maybe one. Maybe like longer ago they knew it, but now I, I'm. this mm-hmm. is surprising to me because I've just loved that book. Um, it's a book about a little boy who's like bored and doesn't know what to do with his time. And so like a magic box appears in his room and then he goes into this other oh god uh, i'm so sorry he goes into this other world apparently i'm very passionate about this and uh it's just and i read it as an adult so i was like is this book as good as i remember it because i tore through it as a kid and it was even better oh because it just has so many like little uh i don't know like tricks with words and tricks with um i don't know grammar and syntax and like it's just so cute. That's fun. And has good life lessons in it. I yeah. love the Phantom Tollbooth. And a lot of times when you revisit a book from childhood, you pick up on so many things that went right over your head. Yeah. You just didn't notice at the time. Far yeah. more profound than I gave it credit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's just really good. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you want right. to try our thing? I think we should. Do you have any other recommendations before we go to a lightning round? Well, I brought several. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. yes. Tell us well, more. No, no. Um, One that I read recently is called The Rose Code, and it's by a pretty popular author. Her name's Kate Quinn. And I don't know if y'all ever saw the BBC miniseries called The Bletchley Circle. Oh, yeah. But it's kind of along the same lines in that it deals with a group of young women who were code breakers at Bletchley Park during World War II. And after the war, they've kind of drifted apart, but they have to come together again because there was a traitor in their midst that's now causing problems for England after the war. And so they Ooh. have to put their heads together to solve one last puzzle to bring this traitor out into the light. Sounds and really good. Yes, yeah, you can tell that Kate Quinn really did her homework, and she included an author's note at the end that I, I found really, really interesting because I did not know that... Kate Middleton's grandmother was a code breaker at Fleshley Park. Wow. So there's just all sorts of interesting facts threaded throughout the story that um, you saw a little bit of in the BBC miniseries, but the book goes into so much more detail about how the actual code-breaking machines worked. And I will watch or read anything, like like the imitation game. Like, Mm -hmm. just, that's such a cool, Mm -hmm. that that was someone's job. It's just so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What else do you have? Oh, um, one that I recommended just this past um, June, and I know a lot of people like the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe. This reminded me a little bit of that, even though really all it has in common with that book is that you have a, a group of siblings that are sent to the English countryside to escape the Blitz. But well, I take that back. The second son is named Edmund, and he does cause problems for his siblings. So there are some similarities there. But um, the, it really goes into more detail about some of these kids did have a tough time adjusting. Um, you know, they end up in a house with um, mean foster brothers, and then they get framed for something by the foster brothers. They get shunted off to another household where there's not enough food to go around. They get worked to the bone. 
and the only person who's really nice to them is the village librarian. So, of course, oh. you know, the village librarian's got to be cool. But she herself is kind of ostracized by um, other people in the community because her husband, who's been missing since the war began, is German. So they form their own little family. It's just a really sweet, life-affirming book that I think would make a great family read aloud. Nice. I've never heard of that. It sounds so sweet. Yeah, yeah it was published pretty recently. Oh, okay. Yeah. I want to read that now. It's called A Place to Hang the Moon by Kate Albus. Wow. sounds so sweet. yeah there's one other one I would mention just uh, it it occurred to me because you were talking about C.S. Lewis and and I love C.S. Lewis and I love Narnia and um and I also love his sci-fi trilogy um Mm -hmm. interesting thing to me about C.S. Lewis is that he does a great job and the last book in his series is always not that great um, doesn't know I, how to finish it. Yeah, doesn't I felt the that landing. Way. No, no he, I felt that I, way about the I Chronicles of Narnia and the science fiction trilogy. Yeah. The the last book in that trilogy, that hideous strength is not even close to as good as the first two. But he has a standalone novel that, called um, "Till We Have Faces." Hmm. That is a retelling of the Cupid and Psyche yes. myth. And it's so I, good. Yes. Yes, yes, we've seen. <laughs> yes, it's so good, and and it doesn't it doesn't get the buzz that you know Narnia or the nonfiction spiritual writings get, like Screw Tape. Like I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people know that. No, mm-hmm. you're the only other person I've ever heard that's heard of that one. <laughs> that is a that's a good book. It's a fantastic book. I really recommend it. Yeah. Well, in that vein, I think it's time to ask some of these questions about. Um, certain authors, because yes. that's kind of what we just did yes. with C.S. Lewis. So uh, how about you start us off? Huh? Okay, we'll start off with the if you liked prompts. Okay. You want to do that? Or, sh- or do you want to do this? Were you talking about that one? Let's do this one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you start us off. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're going to give you an author. And so I think most of us will know the very popular works of this author, but if you could give a recommendation of something that maybe other people have not read or it's not quite as popular. So um, we're actually going to start with Stephen King. Only a couple of us could probably attest to the Stephen King things. But um, what do you think, Amanda? I would say probably Gerald's Game, just because the thought of being trapped alone in a cabin, handcuffed to a bed, and not sure how to get out of the situation, and thinking maybe someone's lurking about outside. It's just a mundane horror, much more so than a you know, spider slash clown stalking people. Yeah. I'm going to go with one of his newer ones. Um, It's a very small, it's one of the pulp books that he put out. Mm -hmm. So it's very quick, a quick Stephen King read. Um, It's called Later. And it's still that kind of, uh, you know, paranormal. There's, you know, it's kind of like the shining a little bit. The kids like can read minds or, you know, whatever. And, but it's, it's kind of more of a ghost story versus horror um and i really liked it and it was a fast stephen king which you don't get many of those (laughs) i really enjoyed it um okay so what about john grisham so i have not read everything by john grisham there's a lot in my 20s i went through a whole john grisham phase and and i've read some later in life we won't talk about how much later but um one of his books called the last juror and of course, John Grisham, everything he writes becomes a bestseller on the yeah. strength of his name. But The Last Juror is a little less of a legal thriller and a little bit more like a story about this town. And it's um, 
it's just wonderful. And and I, I think John Grisham is very up and down in some of his books are amazing and some of his books are just fine. And <laughs> I think this is one of the better ones, but I don't think it gets the attention maybe that it, I think it deserves. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Um, well, one of the books that launched him to fame was The Pelican Brief. I saw the movie way back and it, I don't think they did a Julia very Roberts, good adaptation right? of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the book was much more interesting, which pretty much applies to most book-to-film adaptations, in my opinion. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the Pelican, I was, I was going to ask that earlier about, you know, books that were really big, maybe back in the 80s or 90s, that now we're into a whole new generation that doesn't know about them, you know, and so I think we're getting back around where we can make great, great recommendations to Younger readers now. Yeah, like the Phantom Tollbooth. Yeah, the <laughs> Phantom Tollbooth. I mean, it's all coming back around I, a little yeah. bit. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what about Roald Dahl? Everybody knows, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. And we did do an episode about Roald Dahl, and we there's did. a lot of um, stuff that he wrote. <laughs> I quite like The Twits, which yeah. is a shorter read. Um, it's like this just really gross couple of people. Um, I like that one, too. Um, did you read I did. You read it? Yeah. yeah. I liked most of Roald Dahl's books, um, but one thing, one book that I read, not by him, but about him, um, and I'm not going to get the title right. I may have to bring up my Google, too, but um, <laughs> he was a spy in World War II, mm-hmm. and there's there's a book about that, about his uh, involvement, and it's, it's really interesting, and I think it presents a very realistic portrait of who he was. Um, he was a flawed human being. He was, you know, a great writer. I, I have read and will reread his books, but, but he was a flawed human being, and I yeah. think this book does a good job presenting that. I'm sorry, you I can't can look remember it up. the title. I'll look I'll, it up. I'll edit. When we, <laughs> when we did the podcast on him, I was like, oh, I'll just revisit a bunch, because I, honestly, when I read all of them, I was a child, so, you know, I had to refresh my memory. Um, I had no idea, like, all of the adult books that he had written so I read um Mm -hmm. my uncle was it my uncle Oswald I think is the name of it I'm sorry Mm -hmm. I'm not remembering yeah my uncle Oswald wow what a difference from the BFG or something like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah the the Irregulars is the Mm -hmm. title of the book about his his work as a spy Mm -hmm. and he wrote a short story that was assigned to us at some point in school about a woman who murders her husband and I read it and then didn't somehow fail to connect it to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and James and the Giant Peach. And later, when I realized they were the same author, I went, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about he range. He's an onion. Yeah. <laughs> he has many layers. Yeah. What Did about you? Have you? One? Roald Dahl. I've only read the really popular ones. Mm, okay. No no deep dive for me. <laughs> um, what about Agatha Christie? I actually just finished The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. I'd never read that. So yes. that was quite the experience for me because it, it's not one of her better known ones that no. you're assigned in school. And it was just such an interesting uh, take on a mystery. I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain it is the first book ever that took I don't want to spoil it. Right. The perspective that is mm-hmm. in that book and yeah. with that kind it of twist a, in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was, I think, the first of its kind. 
Hmm. I don't know, but I, I do remember it. It's a great book. Yes. It's a great book. So what other one would you recommend, Stacey? Oh, um, it has been a little while since I've read any um, Agatha Christie, but I I really did like the ABC murders um, quite a bit. And I, I, for the most part, I liked... Um, I liked Hercule Poirot, but I loved some of the books featuring Ariadne Oliver, mm-hmm. who was another one of her sleuths, but not as famous as Miss Marple or yeah. Poirot. And she's a novelist and, um, and, and, you know, amateur sleuth. And I just, she's one that I would say, you should go look up those novels. If, you, yeah. if you've exhausted all the others... Look up Ariadne Oliver um, books by I'm gonna Agatha do Christie that because, because I enjoy them a lot. I'm just now starting my Agatha Christie journey. Can you believe that? Isn't that crazy? Um, and I'm such a mystery person. Yeah, and nobody ever put one in my hand and said, you need to read Agatha Christie. So I'm actually reading a Miss Marple right now, but mm-hmm. I haven't even looked into. Which one other, are you reading? I'm reading. It's a Caribbean series one, which is Ooh. hilarious because mm-hmm. she's cold and it's the winter and she's gone to the Caribbean. Uh, and can you imagine so Miss Marple in Caribbean? It is, I've not read that one. It's so funny. Yeah. And it just it keeps yeah. cracking me up. But huh. um, but yeah, it's such great. Like, I love mysteries. I don't know who didn't think to to give me an Agatha Christie at I some point. I just love Miss Marple. She's yeah. so nosy. Yes. yes. She's perfect. Yes. And, and then in the Caribbean and, you know, it's very, you know, old school like I think that man's sleeping with that man's wife and she's like knitting and watching yeah. all of it happen you know yeah. which I love Aww. but yeah yeah and you know I would say also if you really if you enjoyed the Agatha Christie books um Josephine Tay mm-hmm. um is a fantastic English author writing at about the same time I think post-World War II um Agatha Christie's time of writing is much longer mm-hmm. than Josephine Tay's um and and Tay only has um, six or seven mystery novels, but they're brilliant. They're so good. They're well-written, okay. and they're interesting, and her characters are well-developed, and, and she's funny. Um, I love her. Okay. I've never Daughter of Time, her most famous work, Yes, the, the Daughter of Time is the most famous one, and it's a totally original idea because, you know, most of the time in the mystery, people are out running around and doing things, and the entire book is this guy who's stuck in a hospital bed and can't do anything else. So he oh. researches a historical mystery. Oh, and oh it's, that's fun. It's fantastic. Cool. That's cool. Huh. Do you have an Agatha Christie recommendation? Murder at the Vicarage. It's okay. the first Miss Marple. Um, okay. I read it in, I hadn't read it before. I, I read a lot of Agatha Christie when I was a teenager. And then when I was taking a college class, we read Murder at the Vicarage. And it's just... I don't know. It's such a great character establishment for her, so I think it's just extra mm-hmm. marpley. Okay. <laughs> yes. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Marpley. I, I have it. You marpley. It's amazing. <laughs> I have it if you'd like to borrow it. A really good adjective from now on. Yeah. Marpley. Marpley. Very marpley. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One final one in this round, and then we'll move on to our next round. Uh, what about Judy Bloom? An underrated I know. one is the problem. Yeah, yeah, that would be a problem for me, too. Um, Y'all want to look? I'll give I, you a second to, to do that. I think that I remember really liking Otherwise Known as Sheila the Great. Oh, That's a good so one. good. Mm-hmm. But yes. I have not read it as an adult, so yes. don't ask me to explain why. Um, I just <laughs> remember liking it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Freckle Juice? 
I love, but everybody knows freckle juice. Yeah. I feel like, God. Yeah. I just love her. I think that's the hard thing is finding one that's yes. not super popular, but. I mean, everybody knows Deanie. See, I don't, but oh, well, I didn't grow you should, up reading You should Judy read Deanie. Deanie's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I remember Deanie now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked all of the fudge. Ama- oh, I liked all fudge. It wasn't just super fudge. Fudgemania. And then what was the other one? I don't know. Didn't it start fudge. with Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing? Yes, that it did. That's one. it. Yes, that has fudge, fudge in it. Fudge was his character. brother, yeah. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So She well, did that. Go ahead. Oh, I was kind of a pudgy kid, so Blubber spoke to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Blubber's really good, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She did that. I don't know if you ever did the master class, but she does a... I don't know if I'm supposed to plug stuff on here. I'm, I'm not plugging it. She did a master <laughs> class on how to write a children's book. It was just greatest like mm. six hours of my life or <laughs> yeah. however long it was she's just amazing yeah incredible and she's like in her 80s Aww. and it just she does not seem like she's in her 80s she's frozen in time yes <laughs> yeah and she loves beverly clear so like knowing Aww. that she admires beverly cleary just oh, i love judy bloom that's cool the answer is all of them the world needs judy bloom yeah. <laughs> all right so you want to move on to our sure. next round okay this one's the, if you liked this, then you will like this. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you liked Harry Potter, which you already gave us one. Yes. Then yes. you will like, give us a different one, Stacy. You can do this. I'm assuming we're thinking things with magic. Mm-hmm. And um, so I recently finished reading The House in the Cerulean Sea by mm-hmm. T.J. Klune. Amazing. Um, I, I loved that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see I could see people who liked Harry Potter enjoying that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to say the Simon Snow series by Rainbow Rowell. Oh, yeah. Because it is um, the LGBTQ version of Harry Potter, in my opinion. Interesting. And I love them, and I think they're really fun and adventurous, and but they're still, you know, young love, and they're just... I love them. I think those are really... Well, and it's a series, so... Amanda, do you I like those? Yeah, um, there's a series that starts at the book called A Queen in Hiding, and it's by Sarah Kozloff, and it's about someone with magical abilities who doesn't appear to have magical abilities at first that has to go into hiding because of who they are. Okay, mm. neat. Oh, and um, the Tierling books, mm-hmm. whose author I'm going to completely forget, but it, it starts with the queen of the Tierling, mm-hmm. And ends, I think, with the fate of the Tierling. Um, but it's it's a fantastic series. Uh, it's very moved between two different worlds. Um, there's magic, and oh, Erica Johansson wrote those books, and I, I think those are great. They're they're a little more adults, maybe a lot more adults mm-hmm. than Harry Potter, but they're they're good. I like them very much. So if you like. Oh. Harry Potter and you want adult Harry Potter. Yeah. That's what you read. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you like 1984. Or if you're horrified by 1984. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Turn on and the news. Feels, yeah. Yes. You're currently we're living. living 1984, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there's... Uh, now these are these are children's books, but um, or or young people's books. But there's a series called "The Great Library" um, by Rachel Kane, and it imagines a future in which 
physical books do not exist. Oh. You are not allowed to own physical books. Everything is digital. Ooh. And that's um, a great reference between eight, 1984 and that. That's yeah. That's a good pick. Yeah. So, uh, and anyway, I, I've actually only read the first series, the first in the series. I'm planning to move on, but you know how the to-be-read pile goes. I, yeah. But So that's one that, that I would think would be yeah. interesting that that's way. That's really good. What about you? Um, I guess in terms of repression and conformity, maybe The Giver by Ooh. Lewis Lowry. Mm. That's good. Good one. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any? I have nothing. I'm for terrible that. at this game, so we're just going to continue to yeah. let him do it. Okay. <laughs> How about if you liked holes? Oh, I did like holes. <laughs> I loved holes. We did too. We did too. Yeah, yeah. That's why we put it on the list. Ah, but an underrated one. Right. That's that's, that's a hard part. Tricky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I have to think about this one too. I feel like I have a recommendation in there somewhere, but. Mm-hmm. Holes is kind of tough because there's nothing like it. I don't think. Yeah. It, yeah. Right. It's yes. very. Oh. Ooh. Okay. So these are old books. Um, they're, they're not anything new. These are books I read as a child. But books by Zilpha Keatley Snyder. And she wrote um, The Egypt Game is the one that made me think if you liked holes. Um, but her books are kind of. Children in remarkable situations, and you don't always know for is there really something supernatural happening, or is there not? We don't know for sure, but it's but they're they're very atmospheric, and so and she wrote so many. Is she um, the one that wrote the headless Cupid? Yes, okay, she yeah, wrote I've the headless Cupid, stuff. and um, which is part of a whole series about mm-hmm. the Stanley family, and then the Egypt game has a sequel called the Gypsy Game. And she wrote, she wrote one that one of my favorites is called Black and Blue Magic. There really is magic in that one for sure. Um, <laughs> it's some not, of the it's others, not peaches and onions. It's like, okay, no, yeah. no, it's okay. for sure magic. But there, her books are just very imaginative and and really interesting. I I recommend them. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably for me, um, if you're thinking in terms of maybe a young male protagonist who can't depend on the adults around him to tell him the truth or to be completely honest with him. Um, It would be The Lion of Mars. Hmm. It's a pretty recent book. It's by Jennifer L. Holm, and it's about um, the Mars colony that America has established. And they start getting sick, and um, the kids aren't affected. So they're you know, all the adults have gotten sick. They're looking for solutions, and they're like, well, why can't we go to one of the other nations' colonies to ask them for help? And the adults are like, no, no, don't do that. And so it's will they or won't they go for help? And what's behind the adults' reluctance to seek help from the other colonies? I'm very oh. impressed with the creativity that you, like, I would have never thought, oh, that's the type of book. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. that was yeah. amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you have one? Okay, that was too hard. I know that one's really hard. Uh, We chose this one because the movie's coming out soon. Where the crawdads sing. Ah, so that's kind of a courtroom sort Mm -hmm. of story, but also a southern um, kind of thing. So I would say possibly Cold Sassy Tree, which um, was actually a book that we used for Amarillo Reads, and it's. It's got that same sense of uh, just place, sense of place, and and 
the southern setting and small town communities. So that's one I would think of. Even the name sounds like like oh, yeah. you would like cold sassy tree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My mom it reminds that. me a lot of a time to kill, and I know that's like it was mm-hmm. huge on its own. Mm-hmm. So it's not really you know. This underrated, underrated book it, by any okay. means, but it's kind of in that same vein. Yeah. So for those that haven't maybe read yeah. this one, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Do you have one? Drawn a blank at the moment. That's for okay. That one. Twilight. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear her breathe? <laughs> there was an eye roll. There was the eye roll. Forget the eye roll. Yeah. So this is yeah. your underrated, yeah. but maybe okay. should have been bigger than Twilight. Right. Yeah. Uh, well. So, hmm. <laughs> is that only every other book or like, <laughs> you know, I, I read the Twilight books. Yeah, so There's I. a point where you feel like I want to read this so I know what people are talking mm-hmm. about. And, and I did. I will not complain about them because a lot of people read because of them. So that's, that's true. A, Good. Yep. That's the thing. If you, um. If, if you get kids reading, if you get adults reading for that matter, you know, it's really easy when you get to be an adult to let the reading sort of slide. Mm-hmm. So if it gets people reading, it's done something right. But if you liked Twilight, um, so this is, this is very nebulous, but in terms of um, a book with a, a female protagonist who faces difficult odds um i would say station 11 and and i'd like say i would try to get somebody to read station 11 because the protagonist in this book is very admirable um she has she has more to recommend her than how she smells to vampires (laughs) so um and and it's it's a really creative book about you know how art how if we had an apocalypse, it would be the artists that we would rely on to get us through it. And I think, um, weirdly, it involves a pandemic. So a lot of people read it during the pandemic or, or said, I don't want to read that right now. <laughs> but it really does talk about um, the, the role that art plays in getting us through difficult times. Mm-hmm. And, and the role that art plays in building community. And so it's a very tenuous, in fact, it's not related to Twilight at all. I just <laughs> wanted to recommend it. If you want to read something <laughs> meaningful. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. That's an answer. Yeah. Um, I do know that the an, another author I mentioned, Rachel Kane, wrote um, a series of vampire books called The Morganville Vampires that mm. have been very popular. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, probably the closest I can think of would be um, A Great and Terrible Beauty by Libba Bray. Um, it's got some similarities with Twilight in that a young woman sent from the home she's always known, um, away from her mother who actually has passed away, to um, a boarding school in England. It's set like in the 1890s. And there's this mysterious man who could be a protector, maybe not. Ooh. He could have nefarious you know, intentions. So... That would be the the one that springs to mind for me. I thought of one. <laughs> All she you does is need to listen to you. Yeah. You poor things are going to have so much editing to do. No, it's it's great. Be so no sad. we're good. Um, so yeah, I don't seek out vampire 
novels. Um, and but I still and I don't know if this even counts as a not well known book because it's been adapted for popular media. But a discovery of witches and the mm-hmm. books that come after it. Um, there's a vampire in them. And they are love stories, but they're a lot richer. They're set at Oxford, and there's time travel involved, and they're fantastic. So if you went to Twilight for the romance and the idea of immortality, you could probably enjoy these books as well. I would say if you're a um, Twilight person that is now an adult and you've never read the Sookie Stackhouse ones, I think you should go that route because they're fun. Okay. So that's what I'm going to say. That's good. Even though they were big too, but a lot of people have never read the books. They watched True Blood and called oh. it that. So they're, they're, they're the, yeah. But the books okay. are really fun and different than the show. I so. don't think people think of the books. Yeah. I had no idea that's what that was. Yeah, I've read like 10 of them. I mean, wow. there's a ton of them. I'm, and there's, she's probably she's up really to like 20 author, now. Yeah. yeah, she has a ton of books now, but... <laughs> But I think that's for the the Twilight kids that are now adults and are looking for something fun to read. My Library Does That? Presented by Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. Did you know the Amarillo Public Library hosts a pop culture convention? Every year, Friends of APL hosts Amicon, a convention filled with vendors, guests, and participants from all over the country. Amicon is a celebration of anime, gaming, comics, sci-fi, and more. Plus, Amicon is one of the most affordable cons in the U.S. More information can be found at libraryamicon.org. One we're gonna wrap up on, okay. And I feel like maybe I already know. <laughs> You're gonna trigger her. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I've had her on here enough. I know. Let's let's poke this one. Wuthering Heights. Oh. Well, I mean, I've already told you about Anne Bronte, so so there's that. That's what I mean. I, I thought I knew your answer. <laughs> That's underrated, though. Right. Well, I mean, you're Anne Bronte is underrated. And so. Anne Bronte is totally yes. underrated. We've just already talked about yes. her. I know. Um, so for a, right. a book for mopey people, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Well, and, you know, the thing about Wuthering Heights to me is that Emily was obviously a brilliant writer because you're reading Wuthering Heights and you can't put it down. You can't stop reading it in spite of the fact that the whole time I was reading it, I was thinking, these people are horrible. I hate them. <laughs> I don't care what happens to them, and yet I don't stop reading it. Okay, I've got a recommendation. Um, <laughs> the Woman in White by Wilkie Collins, which is a classic, and so a lot of people have heard of it, but it is old enough now, and, and a lot of people probably missed it. But it is it is fantastic. It has... That sense of atmosphere, that sense of isolation. Um, it has a little bit of romance in it. It has a lot of mystery. It's so well written that it really is a turn page, uh, page turner. So I, I would definitely say The Woman in White by Wilkie Collins. And his other novel, The, the Moonstone, is quite good as well. 
He, got he probably there. wrote more than those two, but those are the two I've read. Thank you. <laughs> Do you have one? The only one maybe I could think of is Tess of the Durber- Durbervilles. I can't even say it. It's just I, kind of... I've never heard of that. Star-crossed lovers type. student here at Amarillo College. Really? Thomas Hardy? Is yeah. it Thomas Hardy? Yeah. Okay. What's it called? Tess of the Durbervilles. Durbervilles. If I'm saying that right, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> It's got an apostrophe in it, yeah. so it's almost like de urban. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah. it's it's odd. It's so I meant I meant the name, not oh, the yeah. name. <laughs> I have never read the book. I, I haven't confess. either. I confess. So um, I found this, this list, and I think y'all would find it very funny. Okay. Okay. So it says five books to read if you love the drama of Wuthering Heights. Mm-hmm. So the first one is Rebecca. Oh, I love oh, Rebecca. Yes. Which Incredible. Makes oh, fantastic. Why did we think book? of that? Which is great. Why, why didn't we? People right? don't talk about Rebecca enough. Movie or book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's and Picture of Dorian Gray, which is also very good on mm-hmm. this list. Depressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Followed by Twilight. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> Followed by Flowers in the Attic. Wow. We're kind of devolving. <laughs> and then the House of Salt and Sorrow, which I actually don't know what that is. I've never heard, heard of, of it. Heard of it, but I've never read it. So, uh, you know, if you want to... I don't know how you go from... <laughs> yeah, read about Wuthering Heights, these sad, miserable people. Well, I guess they are sad, miserable people Maybe that live in an attic is. that their mother's keeping them. I would imagine that some algorithm generated that list because they talk about Wuthering Heights yes, in the Twilight that's books. That's exactly what it says. It says <gasps> that's this, true. This series is that. Bella's favorite book, and Edward finds it repulsive oh. because he's basically Heathcliff, is what this says. Heathcliff is sparkly. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's, he's a, a sparkly, sparkly Heathcliff. Heathcliff. <laughs> You know, Rebecca, Daphne du Maurier, all of her books, Mm -hmm. not just, not just, um, Rebecca, the scapegoat is one of hers that I've read that is amazing. And she wrote a lot of just fantastic, really spooky, atmospheric kinds Mm. of stories. In fact, the, the short story, the birds, the short story for the Alfred Hitchcock movie, the birds was a a story she wrote. I was just hearing, I was going, what did I just see or read? It was the birds. I watched the birds the other day and I was like, I had no idea, but I also kind of think it's a weak storyline on screen. Yeah. I get that. I, I've actually never seen the movie. Um, Stacy, we have it at the library to check. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I can check out the DVD from the it's library. It's okay. I it's fine. I don't like when people do that to me, so I'm not going to do that to you. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But Rebecca, shame you. <laughs> have you read or seen Rebecca? No. Amy, this is. I, I'm. I'm letting you borrow things. Okay. Yes. Bring me all. It these is things so. It is so. Bring me your good. stack of Judy Bloom books and. <laughs> Well, if we're going to go in the gothic and creepy direction. Why don't we? I I have one more book that I would definitely recommend. That's The Woman in Black. You know, it was adapted into a film with Daniel Radcliffe a few years back. It's another one where the book far outstrips the movie, which is kind of all jump scares and scary makeup. The book is just so creepy, and it's just a slow build because (laughs) this young man who's a solicitor is sent to this isolated house to go through the client's personal effects after she's died, and at high tide, the house is cut off from the mainland because it's on a peninsula Hmm. and Hmm. foggy moors and screams in the dark and 
rocking, rocking chairs when he's in the house by himself. It's just really creepy and good. I figured out I really like books about isolation, and I don't know Mm -hmm. why that is. Mm -hmm. I actually kind of want to go be isolated somewhere. (laughs) And read that book. Not in this house, I can guarantee. (laughs) But... Yeah, I'm going to check that out. That sounds really So we have really a woman good. in white and the woman in black. Yes, which I also, incredible. I need to read that one as well. Oh, you really should. It's such a good yeah. book. It's That's, a movie that too. is one yeah. that I, I give as gifts and I put in people's hands because yeah. it's really good. Amazing. I this think is that's so a good, good. Yeah. Man, I feel like I have so many things I want to read. I know. Like, this is one of those. It's the bad part of doing this days. podcast yeah. where I'm just like, oh, well. We'll be coming to see all yes, at the library yes, very soon. Yeah. And subscribe to our newsletter. <laughs> yes. On our website. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Thank, Thank you guys. Y'all. Out is recorded in the FM 90 and Panhandle PBS studios on the Washington Street campus of Amarillo College. The show is produced by Hillary Holsey and me, Amy Hart. Special thanks to Stacy Clopton, Tanner Bass, and Colin Lutz. And thanks to Stevie Brashears for designing our logo and the Mag 7 for providing music. Thank you again to our supporters, friends of the Amarillo Public Library, Brick and Elm Magazine, and Humanities Texas. Check us out on Facebook and hit subscribe wherever you're listening.